Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. Join us on a deep dive into the heart of what makes writing songs and making music so magical. Let's find out what makes songwriters tick, and along the way, remember why we love music. Welcome to Pitch List. Welcome to the show. My name is Dana. I'm the producer of Pitchlist, and this week Chris is on vacation, so I wanted to jump in and intro the amazing conversation he had with this week's guest, Grammy-nominated Ross Copperman. Ross is an incredibly talented, genuine, and humble songwriter with 30 number one radio hits under his belt. That's crazy. He's also produced hit records for countless country acts, not to mention the journey he's gone on over the past 12 plus years in crafting his own artist project. Listen on for an in-depth chat about Ross's take on songwriting in the Nashville community, plus the inspiration behind his new EP, Somewhere There's a Light On, which everyone should go stream right after this. So without any further ado, here's Ross Copperman. Good afternoon. We got another great, great episode of Pitch List. Um, this guy has been so successful and is now launching his own artist career. So I'm really excited to talk to him. This is Pitch List, and this is Ross Copperman. How are you, Ross? Hey, Chris. I'm good, man. Thank you for having me on. Oh man, it's uh, it is all our pleasure. I think uh, Dana has been chasing you for a while, so we're just so glad we could get some of your time, man. Oh yeah, dude. This is awesome. Did uh, I'll start with this because just it's fresh. Uh, Amy and I were watching Idol last night. Are you <laughs> on an upcoming Idol episode? Is that right? Yeah, I was on actually uh, Sunday. This Sunday on the the one before the season finale, where they where they got to perform their original songs. I produced a few of the artists. Um, Chase Beckham was one of the yep. ones I produced, and what a talented, talented, talented guy. His song is still number one all genre that we did together right now. Really? Just crazy. What? It's He wrote this song by himself. We just we knocked it out in a week. And um, I'm excited for him. Congratulations. Thank you. Is that the song called 23? 23, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. He's great, too. And did you do another artist on Idol? I did Arthur Gunn, who was on. He yeah. had an amazing song. And then, um, yeah. Did those two guys and congrats, man. That's a big gig. Thanks, Chris. That's a big gig. Yeah, I was excited. I was excited to hang with Tricky Stewart, you know, and Ian mm -hmm. Fitcher. I mean, I, I know Ian pretty well, but it was just fun to hang with those two and spending time with Tricky. I mean, that that guy's come from a whole different world, the Atlanta, you know, hip hop scene and talking about making records with Mary J. Blige and you know, Wow. All the single ladies, Beyonce and Bieber's first song, Baby, and just that that guy's been a part of so many major, major records. It's cool to spend time with him. Yeah. Did you record in L.A. or did you bring the stuff back here? Yeah, we, we went to the Sound Factory, which was my first time there. So cool, man. Just wow. standing there where the Jackson 5 sang was, was mind blowing. You know, I'm so used to the history of the Nashville Studios, which is mm -hmm. so crazy, too. But I've never really dug into that LA history. You know, I've never done that. Oh, that's fantastic, man. Again, congrats. Thanks, Chris. So when I first met you, um, you know, I sort of encountered you as a writer who was 
beginning to produce. <laughs> now, true, now you're like the ah. producer in town. So congrats on that. Thanks. Um, I really was. I was really figuring it out back then. You were. Well, no, I think you were having some hits. I think you had produced maybe one act that was working and had written a couple things. Um, is that right? I'm just trying to get it right. You kind of started writing and then you kind of moved into production. I just saw this gate, this kind of hole that was not being filled in terms started with demos, you know, like mm -hmm. I realized if I just made my own demo tracks to save everybody a lot of money and I could do it quicker and write more songs and turn, turn them around faster. Cause you used to have to book a session, you know, and, and wait three weeks to track your song that you wrote. And then, you know, finish the mixes another two weeks later. You're talking about a month later, okay. you're getting songs back. I was like, if I could get these songs done today, send them out, write another one the next day. It's just, and then you get to be more creative with the sound of the demo. And, and that could lure in artists to be intrigued with those sounds and maybe want you to produce their record. And so I just, I saw this lane and I kind of just went down fully yeah man and it's like you said it's a really great point you've got probably within a day or two a completely finished track close to a record yeah and then also like you said you're imprinting your own sensibility there's something to be said you know for tracking with the guys and going down but yeah it's a two or three yeah. week process for sure man and i learned how to make records by doing those demo sessions tracking right. got mark hill and mm -hmm. Ilya and jeff king and steve uh, bruce what is his last name? Bowden, Bruce Bowden. Yeah, Bruce Bowden and all those guys. I learned so much from them. But you also brought in your sort of pop and rock sensibility, which is really the key, I think, to your success. You understand country music, and probably you've been here long enough to where you really understand country music, but you're bringing a whole other side in, and that's what people like, yeah. I think. You know, I, I, I feel lucky that I got to get in with with the, the people like Tom Shapiro and Tony Martin mm -hmm. and you and all these writers have been doing this for a longer, way longer than I've, you know, been doing this. And I got to really learn from, from, from everyone. And I, I feel very grateful that I got to do that. And I still feel that way writing with Dallas Davidson or Red Akins yeah. or Ashley Gorley or Shane McAnally, Josh Osborne. I feel like I'm just a student still, you know, I always feel like a student of this thing because it's, it's just fun to learn and everyone's way better than you at everything. <laughs> That's what I've learned, you know, and that's what, you know. It, well, it, I mean, there's something to be said. If you're if you're in a room working and you feel like the other two people are just like, you know, crazy talented, it's going to be a good day. I, I definitely say that. That's for sure. Exactly, and you want to let them shine. Right. You know, yeah, that's how I've always like found my way of like, okay, just let me just help encourage you be the amazing person and writer and producer you are you know yeah and it takes all it takes a whole thing man because also there's there's a whole range of skill sets that are needed let me ask you this because you, you said about tracks and you do do tracks do you do you go in with a track when you're working with an artist or a writer already started or do you do it in the room or all different ways all different ways but most of the time i like to go in prepared and I'll come in with two to three things that I had thought about the night before that I would I thought would be good for that artist. Or I thought, okay, you know, I think Luke Bryan might gravitate towards something like this. This is a little different for him, but it could be a cool thing. Or mm -hmm. if I'm writing with Keith, like I'll 
think it's the craziest thing I've ever thought of and try and coming to play in something just crazy or, you know, right. Um, Does he like crazy stuff? I, I yeah, you know, I just, it's something that would catch his ear in a different way and be like, Whoa, I've, I've never done something like that. Maybe we should try to chase that. Or, and then a lot of times I like to just, just start on guitars. I, that, that seems to be the more pop approach these days is just starting from scratch and like the demo is just a piano vocal mm -hmm. it's feeling like it's reverting back to that really it, it really does like every okay. pop session i do it feels like they don't want to hear tracks or they don't you know what i mean well uh, i mean it makes you focus on the lyric more doesn't it, it? yeah and I, I really like it and, and it's like if you can get a song sounding great as a piano vocal then then you make the track and it's, and I've been trying to do that a little more in, in Nashville country as well. What's well, funny. That's like a new thing, but that's actually the old thing. That's the old thing. Exactly. Right. You know? That's how it used to be. You'd sit around that's guitars. You, you didn't have your phone to work tape it. You actually work taped it on a tape player. Or a, yeah. Getting it done, man. Just getting it yeah. done. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because we like, we, on the podcast, we, we like to talk about writer world. How many, so on your typical week or month, are you mostly working with artists or are you doing some writers that are not artists? You know, I'd say it's maybe 60, 40 writers to artists. Wow. 60, 60% writers. I still feel like my a lot of my favorite songs are started that way at least. And maybe sometimes we'll start an idea and then we'll bring it to an artist. But there's something to be said about the comfort level and some artists become your friend and you feel that comfort level there. But as an, with an artist, I think a lot of times an artist knows so specifically who they are and what they would say that you're writing a specific type of song. Whereas I like to just write the most broad song that we can write that day. And maybe it fits Blake Shelton, but maybe it fits Dana Shea, or maybe it's a, a song for Gabby Barrett, you know, and, and then we can right. take it to Gabby and make it hers or, you know, so that's my favorite way to approach approach it, you know? Yeah. So you got to get something started. Yeah. There's nothing like, and you know, some of the artists are great writers. Just remove the artist part and they're great writers. But there's, I put them in the same category, but there's nothing like getting in a room with great writers and just letting it fly. Right. Yeah. You, you gotta be, you can't be afraid to just say anything. And I feel like sometimes with an artist, you're kind of, you're within a little bit of a boundary and, yep. and because there are specific great artists know exactly who they are and exactly the lane they're in. So you got to stay in this boundary a bit, you know? Yeah. Um, Which isn't speaking of that. Cause I'd love to talk to you about this. Do you do you seek out, say you're in the room working because you said something about it. It kind of triggered me. Do you seek out like something to be strange and exotic musically and like try to make it crazy? Do you do that or do you find yourself more like wanting to get it in between the lines? <laughs> That's a good question. Sometimes I do try and like change the chords to be just uh, I'll take. I'll have the chords that we've written to the song and then I'll like just take it back to the acapella and mm -hmm. just try and reharm re the song, you know? Really? That's I cool. Try, because I just, um, I, I want, you know, especially in pop music, the chord structures are so unique and the, the, the inversions they're playing are mm -hmm. so interesting and they're just not normal. And I feel like you get stuck a lot of times here being just 
four one six yep. five is over because you know it's a hit progression. You're like, okay, just, yep. let's just do it. I call it the Ashley Gorley progression. It's that that's the Ashley mm-hmm. four one six five. Like he kind of trademarked that with lots right. of hit fifty five hits. You know, mm-hmm. um, not all of them were that progression, but I'm just like, no, I'm with you, man. It's like a constant thing of trying to like. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, man, you like really yearn to find. I was watching the same idol program where they advertised your segment last night. And that guy, Phineas, right? Who's a yeah. brother, uh, he did this duet with a girl and I, it sounded like his track. You know what I mean? It sounded like him, but he did these little bang, like junk, dunk, dunk, dunk. And, and, and he, it was lined up to do something and he just did it different. Like you, it was, it almost sounded like a mistake, but yeah. then I, I ever by the second or third time you heard it, you just loved it. Yeah, and he probably did what you're talking about, like just sit that melody and then redo chords. I love it. Can be said about that. I've learned that from doing more pop rights over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. It's just I almost think of like it's like a remix of the song, but sometimes you may find a better version of the song doing it. Right. That's crazy. So how many days a week do you write? Are you like a five day a week guy or? You know, with Zoom, I definitely am. I I try and leave like at least one day open, but with Zoom, it's like, you can write a song from 10 to one, take a break and write another one from two to five. And then you you finish a song at eight o'clock at night with somebody in LA because it's six o'clock for them. So Zoom has, has definitely opened it up in terms of like, it's all fair game. Anytime is fair game. Let's go. Let's jump on for 30 minutes and finish a song. Let's, Hey, we started the song for Darius. Let's, let's jump on a zoom at nine 30 in the morning and, and work on it with him. Or you don't have to plan out driving to somebody's studio in East Nashville or, you know, yep. love the, the efficiency, but I also do miss being in the room and hearing somebody say something or tell a story. And you're like, Oh, that that'd be a great song. So you're missing out on those. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's good. And then I was loving it in the beginning. And then toward the end of it, I was like, man, I'm missing human contact. I, I'm the same. I've been the same. I'm in the same place as you. Yeah. It's like just the getting in the room and yeah, a little bit more laid back, get some coffee, hang out, do a little therapy. Do a little therapy, which you're missing on this. You're missing a little, you know, it's, but the productivity is hard to beat. Yep. And so from listening to you, you're, you're busting it, man. You're a hard worker, right? You're working all the time. Oh, too much, man. Too much. I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I can't stop. I just love it. I love, I love just taking a song and and molding it and shaping it into a Mm. song that could be on the radio. It's like my, I love it. Now, do you do when you're building tracks? Are you building, are you playing most of it? Or then you bring in some guys too, or is it all you or how do you do it? So for my demos, I do it all. And I do really rough sketches of a guitar part. I'm not playing anything intricate, but I'm just catching a vibe. And then if that song becomes a record that I'm producing, I'll, I'll go into the studio or over the pandemic. I just, I was doing zoom tracking sessions. I, I, get a drummer and a bass player to get into a studio at the same time. And I'd zoom in with them and they would cut the rhythm track. And then I'd get with Danny Rader or Ilya and cut the guitars. And then I, I put it all together myself. And then I put the vocals together. I comp the vocals to do all that. And, um, 
I do, I, I do way too much of this, of the stuff myself, mm-hmm. but I think what I'm best at is comping vocals and, and knowing how a vocal should sit in a track. And so that I've never, I've never been able to outsource that because I just, it's kind of what makes my things. I, I feel like that's the, the most important thing to me. Well, it is the, I, because I think it is. You, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So you don't outsource, like you're doing the comp yourself, you're cutting it in and massaging, moving things. Because I know where I want it, especially if I wrote the song. I know, and even if I didn't write the song, which I produce a lot of songs I didn't write, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, that became a little bit of an issue in Nashville for a long time. A lot of producers were just getting their arms around albums and just writing everything. And But but I, I've actually produced a lot of songs I didn't write. And, and I think that's very important for producers to do. I agree. If you're going to be taken seriously as a producer, you got to be, you got to do what's best for the artist. And it's not always your song. That's correct. You know? And so I, I actually love taking a song I didn't write and wrapping my arms around it. And by the end of the process, I feel like I wrote it because I'm so inside of the song, I have the same feeling about the song as if I wrote it. Now I don't get paid on the song like I wrote it, but I have the same feeling and that fills me up in the place of like, wow, I'm just, and then I'm, then I'm just stoked for the writers. Cause a lot of times like writers first, number one, like, yeah. Um, so well, I just, go ahead. I love that. I love that. Well, I think it's great advice to any budding producers out there too. I agree with you. Back in the day, I would talk to, you'd often see a writer who started producing their own stuff. That's kind of how it happens. Sure. You're doing demos. Somebody at the record company digs it. They bring you on with a brand new act and see what you can do. But I knew a lot of writers who did that. And then when they were presented with a song that wasn't theirs, right? That that could be a big hit too, by the way. They just did, they completely lost interest. And I'm not going to say any names, but... I remember sitting with one guy one time and he's like, I just don't give a crap if it's not my song. And I was just thinking to myself, well, man, that's the job. You you might not, you might not want to do this because that is the job. You're supposed to help this artist get the best stuff they can get. And don't you think it helps you as a writer to produce other material that you didn't write? Don't you? I do. 100%. I, I always equate it to like when an artist like a Kenny Chesney is able to take a song that he didn't write and make it sound like a Kenny Chesney song. Mm-hmm. That to me is like the coolest thing ever. When Keith Urban can take a song like John Cougar, John Deere, John 316 that he didn't write mm-hmm. and make it sound like, okay, of course he wrote that because it sounds like the most Keith Urban sounding song I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Like that to me is the true test. Like, and that's what I love about producing songs I didn't write. Cause like, if I can take this and put me into it, I didn't, even, I didn't write it, but I'm like, I was like, that's, the, that's a real fun challenge. Definitely. And it's, it's, uh, this is why you're successful and it's good for your artists because you know, and I don't know if people listening can know so much back in the day, they called it inside cutting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And a, like you said, a producer would get, it, yeah. get their arms around a project. And really it was just the way that it was done. The record company would assign the producer and yeah. either the producer wrote or had a publishing company and just started trying to slide their own songs that they had, you know, publishing on one yeah. way or the other. a lot of those producers, guess what? Aren't still doing it. No, that's where you know? I was headed. Yes. And they, 
And they should be because they were all great. And they those were records great. that I came up loving country music. You know, those are the records I was listening to. Like, golly, this is this is incredible. Like, but you got to watch that stuff, man, because you're not serving your artist. You look at Buddy Cannon. You know, Buddy Cannon with Kenny Chesney. Great, great example. You know, Dan Huff is probably the best. I mean, yeah. he doesn't write, but right. you know, Dan is the best. And yeah, Scott Hendricks yeah. is another one. He doesn't write. That's also, right. But that's that's why you're good at it because a lot of writers just don't do well with someone else's material. Yeah, you got to let that side of you go. You have to like you have to separate yourself yeah. as like this is not this isn't about me, you know. Right. Right. You're trying I to am, help your, I'm here right. to help them. It's not about me. Yeah. Right. You're trying to help them get the best record they can have. Exactly. And that means all things even if maybe they don't have maybe they are not exactly thinking right about something. It's your job to sort of help them see, you know, and, yeah, totally. but now when we say make an album, are you working on full albums now? Or are you doing groups of songs? How's that work now? Yeah. It's funny. I have noticed over the last year, full albums, it's definitely gotten more group song based. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm not really working on a full album, right? Well, except for Darius, I'm doing Darius's whole album, which we started yeah. before the pandemic. But like even on Dirks, like I'm working on two, three, four songs at a time. I'm working on a couple Gabby Barrett songs at a time. But it's not like we're thinking album. It's just like right single, you know. Well, and they're also putting out material so fast now, right? Yeah, exactly. Like like Michael Ray, like we we been working on five six songs and they put it out as an EP, you know, or like. Well, it seems like maybe I'm just asking, but if you've got a. Uh mature established artists with a fan base then maybe you do make the out al the album you know like the package of songs maybe the younger acts are just slinging out hot cakes you know trying to get a hit yeah exactly exactly yeah so after your i've got right here written on this piece of paper 29 number one radio hits is that correct it's actually 30 now. It Jesus. changed about two weeks ago. It, it, it was a uh, Brett Young song, Lady, which is crazy. That's so amazing, man. Congratulations. <laughs> that is just unbelievable. Yeah. That's got to feel good. It does, man. It does. It's a big part you're of reading that. It's good. <laughs> you're just getting started. That is how I feel. I feel like I haven't done anything. Yeah, I feel like I've like, I'm just getting into it, but, you know, but. It's part of the reason I'm excited to work on my own stuff now. I kind of like set this goal in my mind of, of you know, hit, hitting. I had kind of had 30 as a goal. Like I, I wanted to get to 30. Okay. So then, but then you're looking, but then I, I, you know, I'm hanging out with my friends like Ashley. He's got 55, probably 57 by now, you know, and all these people. And it's just like, okay, well, let's keep well, going. No, listen, I've been, I, I've been around a long time. 30 is crazy. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, do not get into that. 30 is flipping crazy. I mean, before Bob McDill was a writer, kind of retired when I first moved here. Yeah, yeah, he was he the guy. Like 40 number ones or something. He wrote 40? Yeah. Okay, that well, was, that's my new that was, then. That that's the new like, bar, Chris. Yeah, that had never been done. And yeah. now Ashley's way past that. You're heading for that. Um, it's big time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Pitch List will be right back. And so now that you talked about it, I want to talk about it. So you've got an EP coming out. Is it out now or is it coming out? Comes out Friday. So and it's somewhere there's a light on. Yeah. 
Now, talk to us about it. What what style? I haven't heard anything from it. What's it sound? I like? come from I come from that pop rock place, man. Where I it's kind of what I brought into Nashville when I came here, and um, it's 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 like Nashville songwriting, which is what I love, with with a more pop leaning production. Which I I worked with a kid named Alex Mendoza who produced this with me super talented guy you know it's it's funny like i didn't trust myself to produce this i wanted i wanted fresh i wanted i wanted somebody producing me and being That's like funny yeah. so you thought well i i understand i understand but yeah so you got someone else the mr producer man went and got someone else to do his own record i wanted to step into the artist role and and experience that and have somebody over here listening with a different set of ears to say you know this is maybe the second verse should do this or maybe we shouldn't go to the bridge here or maybe we should yeah um and and i don't have those pop production chops either that that's a whole nother game to to be able to do to make a drop you know a, like a mm -hmm. pop sounding drop or all these things and I, I i've produced country records for the past 12 15 years and so that that's what i'm good at i, I wanted somebody that's good at at that Awesome. And Alex brought out the best in, in, in that for me. So how many songs are on your EP? Five songs. Five songs. Speaking fantastic. of the album being dead, you know, it's it's we didn't feel it was necessary to do an album yet. And and um and even after this EP, I'm I'm just gonna start, I'm just gonna keep putting out singles, just feeding, feeding songs, you know. Sure. Maybe ultimately into an LP, but so it's the first feature track called Somewhere There's a Light On? Is that the yeah. first feature track? Yeah. Awesome. Well, everybody listening, as soon as you're done here, oh, you sh by the time this comes out, this it'll be available. Um, you'll have to go check it out. But um, I'm curious about this, man. So you kind of come full circle because I was doing some research on you, and you had a record out in the U.K. before you came to Nashville. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Signed to Sony. Sony UK. Tell us about that. How did that happen? You know, there's been a lot. Well, long story short, I, I ended up, I toured the US a lot by myself in my Nissan Xterra with a trailer hitch behind me, opening up for everybody, Better Than Ezra, Gavin McGraw, and John Mayer. I was doing all these opening gigs with my band. And, um, Ended up getting a record deal. I, met, I played on the couch for these guys at Topanga Canyon that had this record label and said, hey, you want to move to London and make a record? And I was 23. <laughs> I, I said yes. And I got to work with Guy Chambers, who was one of my production heroes. He did all the Robbie Williams records. And um, he would leave the studio. I would learned so much from him, but he would leave the studio at night and I'd stay with the engineer and like revamp the tracks. Mm -hmm. That was the moment I realized I wanted to be a producer because I was like, he'd come back the next day and be like, what have you done? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I learned a lot from him. Um, very Nashville style production, the way he, he tracked yeah. drums, he tracked instrument, you know, it's very Nashville style. Mm -hmm. I wasn't programming then. Um, and so I did that for two years. I had a couple pseudo hits and I burned out and I had to just come back because I was becoming not the best version of myself. And I just was kind of just spinning in circles and not going anywhere. And I moved back to Virginia, back in, my, in with my mom for about two months. And then I 
I made a trip to Nashville and I just knew that's where I, that's where I was meant to be. Wow. So it just wasn't just, just life wise, wasn't working out for you in the UK. I was there for two years. You know, I didn't really know anyone. I, mm -hmm. the record, my singles kept charting in the wrong direction. And, and it got to the point where it's like, you know, I can stay here and keep grinding this out. Um, or I can go back and reset and hit a reset. I felt like I needed a reset. I, mm -hmm. I wasn't even writing songs then. I was just, I wasn't writing. I was just sitting around playing uh, Xbox and um, I just needed to get out of there. Wow. And so you went and stayed with your mom and then you, you, you visited Nashville and loved it? Visited Nashville, fell in love. I just knew I'd, it's the reason everybody from LA moves here. You, you come here yeah. and you're like, oh my gosh, what is yeah. this place? Horses and wide open spaces. Mm -hmm. Weren't as many buildings then. Uh, but Yeah. And yeah. And also just the family vibe of songwriters. That, that's what just blew my mind. I, yeah. I, I walked into BMI. It was the first place I went and I sat down and played for Bradley Collins and Beth Mason, Beth mm -hmm. Laird now. Played them some of my songs. They were they were amazing. And they said, hey, you want to go to Key West Songwriters Festival? It's in two weeks. Why don't you go? I feel like you were there even. And I might have been. And I, I, been. Got on a, I got it, went to the airport, didn't know anybody, was sitting waiting at my gate. I met Nathan Chapman and Stephanie Chapman and Heather Morgan and Megan James. I met all these people that have become, that kind of became my family of writers and friends mm -hmm. for a long time. And um I almost have run around with Kip Moore down there. And um, I just, that trip was what started it all for me. I just, I fell in love with it. Phil Barton, Lindsey Rhymes, and all these people just, yeah, that, the embrace <laughs> of Nashville, you know? Right. Me, it just felt outsider. Like, did it feel like it just clicked for you? It just, um, did I you just have like, a period, like a learning curve period before you started oh, having hits or? I'm still in that curve, man. I, I feel like, that curve for me was was sitting down with Tom Shapiro and and watching how he wrote a song and and learning how hard you go in on the lyric and sitting with Tony Martin and watching him come up with a whole second verse without even saying a word, just writing the whole thing down and then going over to Tom Douglas's house and just being what is this this who is this guy you know it's, yep. he was in my wedding um, and you know sitting with these with these writers you know. Hearing Hillary Lindsay sing at 12th and Porter, like, yeah, just hearing the talent here. And just, I just, uh, I knew I was like, this is, there's no place better than this. This, yeah, I think you're right. I think you came at a great, a great, that's, a, that was a great time. I it had was a great time. Yeah. Yeah. So, what year would that be? 2005? Yeah. So, I've probably been here eight or nine years. That era that you came in is just a great era. So many talented people and things were rocking. It was, a great, it was, it a, was a great time. era. You know, I'm, I'm looking for, forward to Music Row getting back. You know, the pandemic's been really tough, I think. Just sure. nobody's yeah. down there. I mean, nobody's down there. You go down there, you're right, yeah. man. Yeah, I miss those days of walking down Music Row, walking to Demumbrian and going to mm -hmm. Sushi Obi. Was that it? Or in the Sushi Obi, yeah. Irish bar down there. Yeah. You used to hang with that was like the cafeteria. You know, you'd write and you'd go have lunch in the middle of the day. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's an era that I, I feel like is gone. You know, I don't it is. It's too bad because also in the morning you could go. We used to live in Hills, Hillsborough Village. 
Go over to Fido for coffee. We were just talking about Fido, man. That that's where everything happened. Yep. You almost started every day at Fido. I feel yep. like everyone was at Fido. I, I everyone. Missed, I missed those days of Fido. It's funny. I, you, you you bring that up. Yeah, Fido for everyone listening is a coffee shop that's still there. I think on Hillsboro, right? Is, yeah. Ridgewood. Yeah. Um, just a Nashville local legend coffee shop uh for everything happened man yeah back then like you'd go in there at like and also people were still doing like 10 a.m starts then so you go in about nine in the morning and i there'd be a long line of people trying to get coffee and there'd be like 30 songwriters in there exactly it'd be a great place to network always Yes, yes it would that's one thing i think about the zoom era now i was before your class but same for you. You really? we did have those great networking opportunities, and when you're when you're on Zoom and you're not really getting out, I think it's a little. There's bit no. Tough. It's I can't imagine starting right now if you don't have yeah. a network. But I always tell young writers like find your people, right? Stick with your people. That's always the, the best thing I feel. You know. Absolutely. Go out and find them. Go find them at writers' nights or wherever yeah. you can. And, and that's stay. who you need to write with. You don't yeah. need to be trying to get to write with Shane McAnally, which would be no. amazing, but that's not what you need to do. You well, it might not click McAnally. They might come into Ross Copperman thinking, I'm going to walk, I'm set for life. But maybe y'all don't click. Yeah, exactly. Find your people and make your own yeah. Make your own thing. It's so true. And my other advice always is, believe yourself. If you go out at a writer's night and there's two people in the audience and it's just, you know, you can barely hear the singer. If you hear somebody that's knocking you out up there, go get them. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Go get so them. True. So true. That's where that's where everybody starts. That's where that's, I started listening. That's where I started. Yeah, just every walking. week. Yeah, uh, I remember how fun it was to play your favorite song that you like just written. Like, yeah, knowing there were a bunch of writers, knowing like Brett James was over. That's there, right in the corner, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna play this song. Yep. And then somebody like Brett James come up afterwards, but oh, I just love that. That song was really good, and you're just like, wow, that was so cool. It really was. Hey, we should write sometime. You know, it was it was those days. Yes, hey, it really we should, was. We should write. Yeah. It would never happen, but it was fun. Right. That was what everyone said. You're right. We should write. Like, yeah. We should write. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do miss those days in the sense that it was more experimental, at least for us it was. But it was before it really got the intense pressure to have an artist in the room, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I miss those days as well. But, oh, interesting. Uh, See, I don't feel that intense pressure, man. I know a lot of writers do, but if I'm writing with Josh Osborne or Matt Jenkins, like that's my best, my favorite day ever. Oh, well, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yes, like, yes. With your friends and with your, when you're, yes. you're, yeah, open, you're like, yeah. hey guys, I got this crazy idea. What if we wrote something like this? Or like, you might not throw out. I just like that openness, no matter if any artists are writing or not. If you write a great song, it doesn't matter. Mm hmm. Now, do you have days where you write two songs when you're doing Zoom and you do? Oh, yeah, lots. I did yesterday. I did, yeah, because on Zoom, it's so easy to do it. Yeah. Oh, we finished that. Let's check out this, you know? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I always believe in the second song you write. Yeah. It can be the one, you know, it takes the first one to get to the second. I think you're right. I think you're right. Now, on your record, on your EP, uh, was this was this part of the pandemic? Did that sort of... Anything to do with this crazy year? It was. It absolutely was. It was, you know, I got stuck home and I, I, yeah. I, it was this moment of what are we doing? Are we writing still? Are we still, artists aren't touring? What are we, 
I thought, wow, if there's ever a chance for me to dig in and do this, it's now. Right. Were you kind of in a way trying to get back to your roots of the the, absolutely, the, absolutely. the beginning you? Absolutely. It's, it's always been in me, man. I, I've never let it die, but I kind of just burned it down a little over the last mm -hmm. 12 years and kind of, I never wanted anybody to know that I also did the artist thing, you know? Right. Right. Most, most people I work with don't even know that I sing. Right. I even stopped singing demos because I started to feel like my voice was too pop sounding or something. You know, I, so if I have John Knight in the room, he's going to sing the demo, but. Right. Um, so, so when you got to working on this record, you had 15 years of growth and a lot of country records. Were you, were you, did you notice how much you had changed as you as an artist from where you started? I have. Or, or did it or not? Yeah, you know, I definitely am more grounded. I'm, I'm in a better place. I, uh, I was a hot mess when I, when I was an artist back in the day. I was a hot mess. And I learned from, from that. And that's, that's also what's made me be able to produce records and help young artists kind of guide them on their path, you know? Because mm -hmm. I learned from my mistakes. I did it. I was in that vocal booth feeling awkward and not liking the sound of my vocal and not knowing how to tell the producer how to how to make it sound better. I know what I know what that's like, you know. Yeah. Um I think it's so interesting and it's a great point. So you're saying that you you were in there. I lived it, know, man. I was it is a pair, it's a special paranoia being on the other side of the glass and you can't really is. hear. And sometimes they're talking and they're not pushing the button. It and is it's like, man. what the fuck are they saying? And they're probably this guy's awful. How you know it's I horrible. go in and put the headphones on and sing on the microphone and make sure that I'm like, okay, this is vibing. Like right. here you go, here's your headphones, go do it. Like I, that's just one example, but I just um it's a lot of pressure to get in there and do a vocal. So that that's you know, that's making me understand. You had you you are an artist. You you, yeah. you know about making records as a singer, and then and you're really good at dealing with vocals. And you're a great vocal producer. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of prided myself on that. Like an artist that comes to me knows that knows that their vocal is going to be as as good as it possibly can be. You know, and mm -hmm. I'm going to try and bring out the best. I'm, I'm a very encouraging kind of person too. I like to encourage people and over the top you know a lot of people don't believe me they're like was that really that good like i'll be freaking out like that was the best take i've ever heard in my life i think it motivates people but i believe it when i'm doing that I, I'm, I, I'm the same way man i think not just in vocals but in life man i think people perform at a better level when they're encouraged 100 percent. it's just human nature just human nature yeah absolutely um and i can see that you're a super positive person i think it's important so I'm looking at notes here because I, I haven't gotten to hear this EP and I'm dying to hear it, man. I cannot wait. Um, but it says two tracks on the EP co-written with Ed Sheeran. Is that right? Yeah. How was that? You know, writing with him was kind of like what it'd be like writing with Paul McCartney. He's just one of the yeah. best to ever do it and just humbling. And uh, we wrote three songs each session we had. And we wrote 12 songs while he was in Nashville for about two and a half, three weeks. I brought in a bunch of artists, you know. Um, I was fortunate enough to write Electricity and, and Therapy with him, both back to back within like a three hour time frame and just happened fast. And I really learned a lot from him that you just just write kind of the five minute song thing. Mm -hmm. 
So he write it. Quick, don't think too much. Run. Just go and then close the book. Here's the next one. You know. Wow. So so he 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 gets going with it. Yes, and you know, I, it was a lot of pressure asking for his blessing to put these songs out for myself. You know, because I wasn't sure if he wanted to sing these songs or or what. You know, and so. I emailed him and he wrote me right back within five minutes and was like, dude, I'm so excited for you. You must be so happy being back in the artist seat. And like, so I was like, wow, I have Ed's Ed's support here. This is crazy. I'm doing it. I'm doing this. And so that really helped me to, to push through on this. That's amazing, man. He seems like everything I've seen in the media with him, he seems like a really nice guy. He is just one of the best. He's one of the best. He's just such yeah. a down to earth dude. And he's just, you hit him and he hits you. He's just, he's just there for you. He's like, uh, it's, it's like not even real, you know, how, how wow. cool he is for having that much success. Yeah. Right. And to be able to get into literally a stadium with a guitar and a loop pedal and just rock the shit out of it. Exactly. Crazy. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. And and also just what a badass songwriter he is. Oh, uh, he's some of the best songs of our time. Yeah, really. Just from him by himself, right? You know, yep. it's just crazy how good he is. It's, it is. That's fantastic. His brain is a unique brain. It's like a yeah, it's a anomaly. So two of the tracks he's a co-writer on is somewhere there's a light on. Is he is he on that one? No, he's on electricity and therapy. Oh, that's right. You said that electricity. There's a light on Shane uh, Shane McAnally and uh, Josh Osborne. Never heard of them. <laughs> never written with shane i wrote a couple things with josh and one of the most talented guys i ever got in a room with man he also is man he told me it, i don't i just couldn't even hardly believe it that he worked for like 12 years before he had his first single you know they had to find themselves they went through trials and tribulations i'm sure you did did you ever have a period where you were worried it wasn't going to work for you oh as a writer yeah I did actually. There was a moment where I had a couple cuts and songs would die in mm -hmm. the 20s, 30s. I, I started thinking, you know, at one point, Jared Johnson said to me, he's like, Ross, I think you're cursed from having a number one. And that, that moment he said that, I was like, wow, I, th he, I think he's right. I, I just don't think this is in the cards for me. It, you know, I had, I've had a, I'd been here for maybe two, three years and got really close, but then Point at You broke through and hit and cracked it. And I was like, all right, I can do this. Let's go. You know, that's great. Well, and that's a pretty, that's a rocket trajectory, two or three years. That's, yeah. that's graduating early. It's, I got to take lessons from the, from the masters, man. You know, man, Tom. you said a name, Tom Shapiro. I forgot about Shapiro, Tom. man. Nobody talks about him anymore. He's one of the greatest, man. He, he could crank them out. He had that he, little Casio keyboard on his Casio and some tap his hand and some weird little beat maker. Yeah, he he little beat. Where he, like get a beat going. <laughs> I learned a lot from that guy. I gotta miss him. I need to check in with him. Well, man, I have really enjoyed talking to you. Too, I can't. Chris. I can't wait. I hope uh, I'm just demanding that everyone go out and download or stream your EP somewhere. There's a light on. Check out those Ed Sheeran songs. Thanks. And everybody, go check out this guy who is just killing it, Ross Copperman on Pitch List. Hey, man, thank you so much for being Thanks, on the show. Chris. This All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. Produced in partnership with the American Songwriter Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's show, 
please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast or your preferred listening platform. And if you want, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. For exclusive content from this week's guest and more, you can visit our website at pitchlistpodcast.com or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. To hear songs written and or recorded by today's guest, check out this week's playlist by finding us on Spotify at Pitchlist Podcast. Plus, don't forget to let us know on social media what songwriter, musician, or music business professional you want to hear from next. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. We'll be right back.